Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Good to talk to you. Sorry to the audience that it's been a while since our last recording, but uh, life has a way of, of picking up and taking you along that you don't predict in advance. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like uh, everyone decided in January of this year to do all the things they they didn't get around to doing in 2023. It's like, all right, here's my to-do list, and I want to get them all done in the first uh, couple of weeks of, uh, of 2024. Which is unusual in my experience typically i'm still getting over christmas i'm like yeah, I'm typically still, the first I'm still two weeks christmas of mood here. january are, are slow people are still getting out of the lethargy of all the turkey and stuffing i yeah i don't know what it is but everyone and not only you know, are is everyone busy they've 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 come into 2024 all hot and angry too oh that, that's because they came out of 2023 all hot and angry There's yeah, just nothing must, has nothing has brought the temperature down <laughs> and certainly not this ruling on the emergencies act yeah i was i was uh, you know I, I i think i told you i've stepped back a lot from twitter but every once in a while there's sort of legal things that you know i, I comment on and this was one of the ones and i i, I you know against my my better judgment i uh, i posted a couple things on twitter but mostly because i saw people saying like oh they they've ruled the emergency act unconstitutional and, and i'm like well no they didn't <laughs> they 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 the, the judge of the federal court said that uh, he disagreed that the, the circumstances were such that justified invoking the Emergency Act. And as a result, a couple of things that the government did um, violated the charter. Now, interesting question. If, if they found, if the judge found, or if, you know, because this will go to appeal, um, if, if an appeal court finds that it was justified to invoke the Emergency Act, then do the charter breaches go away because all of a sudden now they are section one reasonable limit on 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 your uh, on your charter rights but you know that's but you know, that kind of nuance is not really what twitter is built for <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting because the judge acknowledged that the protest was having a deleterious effect on uh, business like on the the economy in general on citizens of ottawa and so on and yet didn't see that it was an emergency. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacks on this. But this is not like, this kind of ruling is not like, did you go through the red light or did you not? Um, that's it, a binary. You did or you did yeah. not. Oh, it's a this, judgment call. Yeah. Yeah. This is all based on opinion. And granted, it, a judge's opinion is is supposed to hold uh, more weight because they have the, the knowledge of jurisprudence and and so on. But it it is ultimately an opinion. You know, you, if you look at the judge's comments about the impact that the protest was having and you extrapolate how that would have continued had there not been something done to stop it. Well, that makes you wonder, what would it take in this judge's opinion to justify using the emergency act like what would it what would it take what qualifies because certainly if you lived in ottawa at the time it felt pretty much like an emergency and the government the federal government had to step in because really the government that was supposed to look after this the ontario government the premier was up skidooing and he knew he didn't want to touch this i mean he's got political savvy doug ford if nothing else uh, in that he he knew there is no he knows when it's time to leave this. the room. <laughs> yeah, there's no winning touching this. So I'm just going to let the feds handle it and let them take the crap that falls on them. And yeah. so it's just well, an odd it's just an odd well, thing that they would determine the judge would determine that even though all of these things were happening, which many of us would recognize constitutes an emergency, the judge would say it wasn't an emergency. I I, I don't understand the ruling, but then like I said. We're talking about opinions here. And also, the judge is able to sit back now. Uh, things are calmed down and take his time to, to evaluate. When it was going on and you had to act in the moment, that's a whole different calculus to, to apply. Yeah, and, and, and there's something in the judgment. I mean, you know, and what you said is right. I mean, what he basically said was there were things you could do short of invoking the Emergency Act, but most of those things were Ontario provincial things. 
and you know the problem was you know Doug Ford and the provincial government was 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 completely AWOL during this it's like you know they 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 pretended there's there's all kinds of internet memes about you know how what a surprise it came to Doug Ford that Ottawa is actually in Ontario um that yeah. uh, they just they weren't doing it and so the judge says you know there were things that could be done short of the emergency act that were not done but most of those things were provincial government things and how does the federal government force the provincial government to do its duty and act, um, which it clearly, like you say, for political reasons or for you know, it, it conflicted with my holiday schedule reasons or just, you know, not have any, you know, any, 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 any guts to do something like this. Um, the provincial government did not do it. So that's when the federal government finally said, all right, well, what tools do we have in the toolbox? And, and they come up with the Emergency Act. Now, of course, the commission, uh, which had you know weeks of hearings, uh, came to a different conclusion. It came to the conclusion that it was justified. But I say this is a court ruling. Um, the judge has ruled that it was not justified because it it you know two things one that didn't constitute a national emergency because he was using the definition that is in the CSIS act of what a, a national emergency is which is a very very high high standard mm. and and uh, there's there's differing legal opinion about whether or not that's the correct standard to use uh whether that's incorporated into the emergency act or not uh because it's one of the few places where it actually appears in legislation but it never actually the definition of what a national emergency is doesn't actually appear in the emergency act um so well, there's there there's differing opinion about whether or not that's the correct standard um and like i said the other one you know the, the other the other reason was you know, like i just said there were still things available to various levels of government uh that they could have done to to help with it which which wasn't being done but he you know the judge and i've never seen this before in a judgment you know judges generally when they write a judgment and this judgment was 125 pages of judgment and then another 50 pages of 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 attachments um judges take themselves out of the decision the whole idea is this isn't the judge talking about what he had for breakfast and what he feels it's about what the law is and personal opinion and your own experience and all that kind of stuff that is, quite frankly, that's reviewable error when it comes to a judgment. If a judge starts to insert himself into the judgment, because it's it's not about it, you know, it while it's an opinion, it's not about a personal opinion. And the judge wrote a section um, in uh, its paragraph three hundred and seventy. I've got it in front of me here, where the judge writes about his own experience of of the event. He says, at the outset of the proceedings, this is the judge writing this in the judgment, while I had not reached a decision on any of the four applications, I was leaning to the view that the decision to invoke the emergency act was reasonable. I considered the events that occurred in Ottawa and other locations uh, went beyond legitimate protest and reflected an unacceptable breakdown of public order. I had and continue to have considerable sympathy for those in government who are confronted with the situation. Had I been at their table at the time, I may have agreed that it was necessary to invoke the act. Like, well, where is this goes, coming from? That goes to what I said, which yeah. is that it's Monday morning quarterbacking. Yeah, and, and then he goes on and, and Monday morning quarterbacks and says, okay, but, you know, I'm a judge and, you know, how I felt and what I was thinking at the time really isn't important. Well, yeah, but you don't write that in your judgment. You just say, look, here are the facts. Here's the law. Here's how I apply the law to the facts. Here's the outcome. You don't sort of do these these you know teenage diary <laughs> entries about about how it is you know with 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 all due respect to to the judge who's actually i, I think retiring this month the judge who did this uh, judgment so but here he is saying like okay if i'd been uh, there at the time i probably would have done this too however you know then but i'm going to now look at the facts and uh, and you know he's going to take it all apart now you say monday morning quarterbacking and saying okay you know it, it wasn't you know it, it uh you know, it, it was, um, um, you know, it, they didn't meet the the, uh, the level of a national emergency based on various criteria. And, you know, they had other things they could have done first. So it was, I say, so it, it was, a, it's a strange, strange Well, it's a very strange decision. ruling because he's saying there were other things the federal mm -hmm. government could have done first, except all, except those things were by and large uh, provincial powers. So the federal government actually couldn't do that. They couldn't. Uh, enact 
something that is a provincial responsibility. There are very serious demarcations between municipal, provincial, and federal, more so between provincial and federal government rules. People tend to think, well, if you're in government, yeah, you can do anything. It doesn't matter jurisdiction. Like people, people slept. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It's yeah, like Trudeau's responsibility to pick up class. your garbage. Yeah, yeah, in high school, they just think, well, your government, you can do it. You just don't want to. They don't understand that, no, there's very good reasons why there are separate jurisdictions. So it's odd. It's, it's like saying that uh, you could have done, uh, you could have done something different, but all of that would have relied upon your neighbors doing it first. And it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you enact that? There was no, the federal government was not empowered to do the things that the judge listed as having been alternatives. So it is a very strange ruling. And I will say that I agree that the freezing of bank accounts, I think that went too far. I think it was in the heat of the moment. But the judge correctly points out that there were people who were left in uh, economic dire straits who are people who are, you know, check to check families. And yep. there was they didn't need to do that. The forcing the tow trucks to move the trucks. Absolutely. Had to get rid of the, uh, the physical obstruction. But I think that the freezing of the bank accounts went too far. Maybe yep. the bank accounts that were taking in donations, like maybe a specific account. But Joe Trucker, I, I, I think the hardship that it put families through. Yeah, the person was taking part in uh, I can't call it unlawful protest, but taking part, chose to take part in a protest, which put them in a position of, of some risk. But that doesn't justify the person not having the money to, to feed, clothe or house their, their family. Yeah. And there and and, you know, charter charter rights and, and judges decisions aren't really bingo cards. But, you know, if, if you were to keep score, you know, the, the two charter rights that that you know, Mr. Justice Mosley found had been breached and were not saved by, uh, you know, our reasonable limit under Section one of, of the charter. The two things that he said were breached were security of of um, um, uh, not of the person, but of. Uh, um, of, of your property, which was the, the freezing of bank accounts. So that charter right was, was breached. And he said that the, uh, the other one that was breached was the freedom of association because the government stopped more protesters from coming to the Hill, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and he said that that was, that was unreasonable. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, for you know, it's, those are sections two B and 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 section eight of the charter. Uh, the ones he, but he did find that there were a bunch of charter sections that were not breached. Um, he said that, uh, and they they raised this in in the court case, and they tried to argue that these charter rights were also breached by these particular defendants. Um, in in the context of the of the emergency act having been improperly invoked, he said that um, the. Uh, um, and uh, so the ones that were breached were freedom of expression, which was being able to go to the protest to be and section eight unreasonable seizure, which was the freezing of bank accounts. Those were breached. The ones that weren't breached section two C the right of peaceful assembly and two D the freedom, freedom of association was not breached and section seven, which is the life, liberty and security of the person that was not a charter breach either. So he found that those those ones were not breaches of the charter. Um, so there were those just those two sections that were breached. Now, I say charter so, rights are not a bingo card. Um, no, so in, the, in this but case, it's interesting it was, that uh, he said that basically the, the, the ruling you just mentioned, the judge determined that it wasn't, you couldn't determine that it was a peaceful protest. Yeah. You well, couldn't he, qualify you know, he, it as a peaceful protest. Yeah. Yeah, they say, you know, in, you know, section, you know, his paragraph 314, I find no breach of the charter right of peace, peaceful assembly. Um, I, I say he, he found that their freedom of association, they're free to communicate. There's no breach of, of section 2D. Um, but, uh, but like I say, charter rights are not a bingo thing. If, if, if any time a charter right is, is broken, it's a bad thing. But, you know, the way, and the way you kind of have to look at the act is so if a if a cop pulls you over and performs an illegal search 
you know, they don't have probable cause or, you know, any of the preconditions that make it a legal search. Your charter rights are breached because your right against, you know, um, unreasonable search is a charter right. So your charter rights have been breached and there might be remedies for that. And, you know, it might be throwing out the case. It might be, you know, there might be monetary, depending on how egregious it is. Um, but you don't throw out the law that allows police to perform legal charter, uh, uh, legal searches. Um, in your case, your charter right was breached and that was a bad thing and shouldn't happen. But the law itself isn't declared unconstitutional. So some of the early, the very early, when the, the case first came out, people were saying, oh, they found that the Emergency Act was unconstitutional. And I, no, <clears throat> they, the court judgment does not find that it was unconstitutional. They found that the way that it was invoked was not justified. The legal word for that is ultra vires. It is beyond the authority of the government because they were invoking it improperly. But the Emergency Act itself is still a legal, a legal and valid piece of legislation. It was just used wrongly. And as a result of it being used wrongly, a couple of charter rights were breached. A couple others were not breached, as as were, were said. And that was the consequence of, of invoking it improperly. Well, this is going to be appealed by the government. So this is Oh, an yeah. Oh, no, not even not even close. And one of the weird things in the judgment itself, the judge himself, again, he wrote some really weird from a legal standpoint, you know, again, with all due respect, you know, some really weird things are in his judgment. In paragraph 145 of his judgment, the judge says, I am conscious of the reality as a single puissine judge. The puissine judge just means a, 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 a a lower court judge, mm -hmm. um, the, the, as a single puissine judge, I may err on the findings I make in these reasons. However, such errors can be cured on appellate review. So he's like inviting. <laughs> he, he's saying like, I might be wrong. Who knows? Maybe I am wrong. But, you know, the appeal court can fix it if I am. Well, well that's just that's just a fact uh, I, that 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 you know, appeal courts fix a lot of the problems for, from lower court decisions, but you never, you know, put your judgment going like, eh, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, someone else will fix it. Um, I think, though, <laughs> that this didn't change the opinions of anybody. The oh, people no, who no, felt no. it was justified still feel it was justified. The people who felt it was unjustified feel vindicated and still feel that it was unjustified. I don't think that people were really on the fence. I think the opinions on this were are pretty baked in at this point. So I don't think this is going to sway the political needle one way or the other no no not at all and and i say you know as you said it's far from over because this was the federal court federal court rules on federal legislation like the emergency act but there's also the federal court of appeal which looks at decisions of the federal court if there's if there's a, a you know a legal reason for uh, for for an appeal mm -hmm. and yeah you know, and i think there's you know it looks like there's several things here that are appealable whether they'll be successful or not you know who knows? And uh, and if you don't like the decision in the Federal Court of Appeal, there's the Supreme Court of Canada. So there's like two levels of appeal still to go. And I, and I will say, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this about this particular judge or even this particular ruling, but sometimes the Federal Court has some pretty oddball decisions. Um, and the Federal Court of Appeal does a lot of cleaning up after them. Um, you know, and that's just, you know, looking at judgments and things. Every once in a while they come up with something, you just go like, what? What are they thinking? Um, this may be one of those cases. And so the Federal Court of Appeal, you know, which will be, you know, sit in a panel of three judges will no doubt be looking at this again. And the questions that they will ask is, was the judge right deciding that the uh that the emergency act was not validly um uh, whether the test for for the minimum threshold for invoking emergency act was met and i say the commission which is not a legal body uh but spent some time doing this said it was this judge said it wasn't um you know, judges i think have more more sway more legal sway certainly in judgments than than commissions do but the federal court will have to weigh whether or not the judge was right in finding that it was invoked improperly if they find it was invoked properly in all the circumstances then i think the charter violations go away because all of a sudden they 
now have much more much better chance of passing the reasonableness test uh which is what the judge found um didn't save those two charter breaches as a result of the uh, emergency act being invoked improperly so there's gonna be a lot but i don't think like i say i don't think it's changed anybody's mind it just um and it, it's amazing how raw this still is like i mentioned uh, at the top i i avoid twitter a lot these days because it's really just become a a cesspool of the of, of wing nuts and i posted something about the uh um about about the the, the convoy just uh oh just like a week ago and talking about you know freezing the bank accounts of foreign funded illegal occupiers of the capital um you know and i just had them all come out oddly enough you know a lot of three follower accounts out of alberta um were, were going on about you know they weren't foreign funded and it wasn't an illegal occupation and they were they are heroes because they were fighting a tyrannical government that was trying to put you know untested uh, vaccines in our arms and mask us up and make us stay home it's like oh honestly i had i had so much traffic from that one one tweet it was it was like 150,000 impressions on twitter um they are congratulations out, they, thank you thank you <laughs> i feel so special yeah they but and mean and and ugly comments and and uh, oh you know typical trudeau pedophile loving is like oh okay uh, the pedophile there, thing that could there's go a block now. that's a block <laughs> yeah the the, the uh, you know yeah the, i know just the the pedophile like they're they're turning something that is serious uh sad important into just yeah. a political slam word and yep. it is cheapening the actual concerns about pedophilia it's 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 making the term lose meaning because it's just become a political weapon it's just they have yeah, no well, conscience well, you know, and ever since Pizzagate in the States, which, you know, is just laughable and, uh, you know, there's their whole idea that there's some kind of worldwide uh, left wing conspiracy of child molesters out there. It's like, uh, you know, what, I liked it better when you guys were convinced it, you know, the world was run by the Illuminati and the lizard people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it was certainly still, more entertaining. I think they still do believe that, but they've moved into into yeah. mining uh or harvesting adrenochrome from yeah. children by making them scared and then killing them and taking their oh please all right yeah yeah it, it, you know the thing anyway is, <laughs> it takes more it, it, it takes more uh suspension of disbelief to believe the things they believe than it does to believe the facts like you have to go you know like don't believe the facts the facts are more persuasive and convincing with concrete evidence than the crazy things you believe. So it's like you have to take an you have to go an extra mile to be that that loony. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like you said, you got to put a lot of effort into it because you know that 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 construct of the world requires constant work to keep adjusting it to make it fit to the reality, and it's it's just exhausting. I mean, I know, you know, the truth and, and facts can be complicated and nuanced and all kinds of stuff. But, boy, give me them any day over some crazy conspiracy that uh, you have to keep uh, reinventing every every other day. Well, uh, the world isn't simple, despite how badly simple people want it to be. Um, speaking of which, interesting polling coming out of Angus Reid, which showed that 63% of respondents said they would vote in the way that would uh, prevent the conservatives from forming a government. 63% do not want the conservatives forming a government. Then it, it doesn't matter if Trudeau is the leader of the liberals. They don't want that. And, you know, it's, it, I, I look at a poll from the, the remaining Koch brother in the U.S., who's very right, billionaire, gives lots of money to right-wing causes, said that, Forget the national polls in the U.S. They have been polling the states that Trump needs to win in order to win, and he is going to lose there. And that's the thing about national polls is it it, it does not really give you a snapshot of how an election is going to turn out. You have to go riding by riding. And, you know, if they say, who do you prefer? And people say, well, now they're saying the conservatives, which I think that once they, they take a look at it, 
they're gonna have they're gonna have second thoughts. But the fact is that when you say, "Do you want the conservatives to form the government?" A different question, uh, or whatever the question was, I don't actually know. Sixty-three percent said they would vote uh, for whichever way their vote would contribute to denying the conservatives government. Yeah, and you know, and like you say, you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, of magic in in how you ask the questions and how you crunch the numbers. But you know, the the sent you know the whole. I always laugh at the ones so who who would make the best prime minister. It's like, well, we don't vote for prime ministers. So the question is, I mean, that if it may affect for people who are not really politically astute, it may affect how they vote at the riding level to assemble enough MPs in order for the leader of that party to become prime minister. But, you know, that that, that becomes a long question. Um, it, it gives you a idea of sentiment. And I think we're seeing after, you know, after years, well, ever since he he, he became the leader of, of the conservatives, Pierre Paulev has, you know, run a campaign basically of of memes attacking trudeau for for everything from the price of bananas to the housing crisis to uh, to immigration to you know and a lot of those things are within the federal purview but there's lots of stuff that that are not federal at all and i've even seen that uh, the jagmeet singh has kind of jumped on that bandwagon too because he doesn't want to be left behind in 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 slamming trudeau but the the that 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 nastiness um is just starting to catch up it's mainstream media is just starting to critically look at the things that pierre Balev says and challenge him on it and they've given him a free ride for oh for, for for a year and a half now and now they're starting to go oh you know what maybe maybe we're not doing a service to everyone by just letting the slide and focus on other stuff um and at the same time with the with trump triumphant in the in the states uh, I think a lot of Canadians, you know, the ones who are who are not, you know, maple magas, um, they are uh, they're starting to worry. Wow, you know, maybe we need something to counter the craziness in the United States because two right wing governments, uh, you know, back to back uh, sharing a border that is not going to be good for Canada. So I think there's a lot of sober second thought going on about what a conservative government could mean for Canada. And that, you know, people are thinking about ways that they could keep that from coming about, even though strategic voting in this country has never worked. I've never I've never seen it actually work anywhere. Um, uh, you know, the NDP always feels that, you know, liberals should join them. Um, and it's like, you know, there there are actual political ideological differences between the parties uh, that they they refuse and and. You know, would the NDP ever join the Liberals? And they, you know, any any I know would say, no, not a chance. I mean, join those guys. I don't know why they think Liberals would do any different. But the whole idea of switching your vote in order to block the Conservatives, while a great idea, you know, isn't necessarily something that in in practice in our system is very is very likely to happen. Well, it's it's interesting because people don't Canadians are not by and large given to these these passionate extremist messagings and if we get a pierre parlev government we've seen up to this point what it is he's going to do in government do we really want focus on culture war issues as opposed to governance do we really want the distraction of a federal government stepping in to deal to to, to ex express its opinions or legislation on gender issues for example, on trans issues. That's the kind of stuff that has bogged the U.S. down for a few years now. You could argue longer than that, but certainly the last few years, this culture clash has focused legislators' attention on things which actually affect a minute portion of the population to the exclusion of the things that need to get done for the majority of the population. And, you know, they have people cheering them on because there's it's a it's a, a country split in two. And there are some people who I think it's a Russian. Pro oh, no, I think it might be uh, Nordic anyway, that uh, the trees kept voting for the axe because the handle is made of wood. Um, and these people will cheer what the, the Republicans are doing about 
uh, you know, state to state and so on about transsexual issues, trans issues. But the fact is, every Republican governed state is poor. Like they're, they're, they, yeah. they are at the bottom of every consider uh, economic activity, uh, health, medical, like medical care, education. Like these people are being overlooked. They're being ignored. But as long as the Republican says something that validates these people's traditional, I'll call them traditional beliefs, they don't care that they're being left behind. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, I mean, we're, we're running into, you know, at a, at, I think a, a fairly pivotal, pivotal time, uh, not just in, in Canadian politics, but in the world, because, you know, a lot of things fall from, you know, the kind of government that you have. I say, you know, it, south of the border, Trump gets in, you know, he has, uh, he has strong feelings about not supporting Ukraine. And, uh, you know, and that's a, a real, that, you know, if Ukraine falls, uh, that's, that world order is not going to be a pretty one. Um, you know, in, in Canada, you know, we've seen, well, it's hard to know what the conservatives stand for because, because they're mostly against things, um, and don't really want to tell you what they stand for, but you know, if they're, they're similar, you know, the withdrawing of support from things like there, there was that crazy, crazy poll. I think it was it, I think it was, uh, less, less, less when Lewis, who, uh, oh, was, less sponsor, Lewis, that who was sponsoring, a, a, sponsoring a petition for Canada to leave the United Nations. Yeah. It's like, well, like she's a front bencher. She'll probably be a cabinet minister. Um, is this a party policy? Because, you know, nobody in the party obviously came to her and said, you know what? That's a crazy idea. You know, the last countries to leave, uh, you know, the a world uh, organization, the League of Nations, was was Mussolini and Hitler. Um, because they didn't, you know, they didn't like all that meddling that the UN does for peace. Um but you, you, the the stakes are really high. But unfortunately, we also have this this perfect storm that the liberals have been in power a long time, and the liberals always just you know collapse under their own weight if they've been in power long enough. Um, people start saying, "No, we really want to change." We've got you know the economy. The economy is getting better, but you know oddly enough, you know you know inflation is coming down. Uh, but the way we got inflation down was for the Bank of Canada to raise interest rates, which is the pr only way you can actually get inflation down. Um, but no one was happy about higher interest rates because the <laughs> because it meant higher mortgages for people. So, you know, they want lower inflation, but they don't want to pay higher interest rates. And it's like, I'm sorry, it's pretty much a seesaw. You know, if you, if you sit on one, you're getting, you know, the other side's going to go up. Uh, you can't have you can't have it both ways i have to um, wonder though Stephen, if the the amount that people were paying for things when th when inflation was higher is equal to or greater than what they're facing in the increase in their monthly mortgage payments yeah in, 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 it's an interesting problem and you know and then the question too was you know people were you know so used to low interest rates for a long period of time that they assumed it was normal and it isn't normal i mean what's normal is interest somewhere in the the you know the three to five uh, percent range um that's 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 normal interest and i remember you know you know old, old guy moment here back in the early 80s you know interest rates hitting you know canada savings bonds were paying 20 percent um, my first, uh, my first mortgage on, on my, 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 uh, house I got, uh, uh, my wife and I bought when we finally scraped together enough pennies to do that was 13 and a half percent. And we, and that was a bargain and we shopped around and got a private lender to undercut by a percentage point in a bit. I mean, people forget that they're used to almost zero interest and that allowed them to over leverage houses and buy things which also fed high house prices because more people were trying to buy houses so what happens when there's more people buying houses than supply prices go up um you know it was this this nasty cycle uh, but people want it to go on forever and just you know from economics it just can't you, you just can't keep doing that so you know the secret to housing supply as uh, is to get the people out who can't afford them and shouldn't have bought them in the first place because if you can't afford a couple of points of interest rate change then you shouldn't you can't afford the house because you're counting on it being you know basically free money forever um and uh, and it has effects all through the economy here but 
but people are unhappy to hear that and they you know and they blame the government for that um even though that's not government policy the bank of canada is independent and sets its own interest in monetary policies even though pierre paulev you know claims that it's all trudeau's fault and you know that the government can do something about about it which you know they can't because it's actually in the legislation that the Bank of Canada is independent of the government. Otherwise, you'd have all kinds of crazy things going on. But, you know, there's a lot of crankiness out there because some people are having a really tough time. Um, they say they're over leveraged on their houses. They can't afford, you know, a little bump in in the uh, of in interest rates because it's going to cost them more. And at the same time, we've had the major grocery stores and other places between COVID and greedflation. Uh, they've been really pumping up the prices not and not just in Canada it's, it's important to recognize that this is a worldwide phenomenon the United States is having this problem England uh you know these kinds of prices are, are are a problem all around the world um it's not a it's not a made in Canada or a solvable in Canada problem it's an international problem but all these things together lead to a lot of people saying you know we should throw out this government why don't we just you know roll the dice and see what the conservatives do because they're promising lots of big things and you know it couldn't be any worse now a lot of people said that about rob ford they said that about uh, daniel smith in alberta they said that about uh, about doug ford um that just like oh come on let's you know let let's let someone get in there with a sledgehammer and if we bust a whole bunch of stuff then maybe you know maybe it'll be better and that never ends well for 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 anybody anybody but that's, especially but that's not the, the economically vulnerable no, no, I mean, and like you said, in the United States, you know, and it's a paradox of of, of American and, and some Canadian politics that the most conservative voters are the worst off. You know, I'm not sure if it's because they worry that things could get worse if they change things, or they've really bought the idea that, you know, their problems in the world are due to immigrants stealing their jobs and liberal politicians taxing them to death and spending all their money on 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 uh, on tampons and men's rooms i mean that's what the you know they they just get angry and the the party that that validates their anger is generally right wing parties you know because they use that as a tool to get power for themselves and then they do nothing for these people uh, I think that is well said. <laughs> um, speaking of international events, uh, of course, the Israel-Hamas war is still going on in Gaza. And it's, you know, there's a lot of things about it that are kind of curious uh, to me. Um, one is that why is every organization that has nothing to do with international politics and never comments when there's other wars or conflicts, insisting on issuing statements about their position on this war. Like, why this war? Why they 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 don't issue they didn't issue positions on the war in Ukraine, most of them. Um, they don't didn't they don't issue statements on what was going on between Saudi Arabia and Yemen. They don't issue statements about what's going on in Sudan. Yeah. But for some reason, uh, you know, the corner book club feels a need to make a statement about yeah, and, and they and they feel that someone's going to be i don't know be swayed by that statement like you said every book club every you know you know there's unions there's you know little organizations that you know have to you know put out a statement you know whether it's pro-israel pro-palestine or pro-ceasefire or whatever their position is you know and, and and protesting in the streets you know they feel like they've got to go out and you know this this conflict is a terrible conflict. I mean, the human cost is you know, it's a humanitarian disaster. The human cost has been been horrific, and you know it, there's a lot to be angry about. But again, you know, being on top of the uh, being on top of the overpass uh, up in up up on on York Mills. Uh, and or on Lawrence, yeah, Avenue, is, it? Avenue Road and 401 was the big yeah, one. Yeah, there, you know, there's there's a couple of them, and it's like, do you really think that's going to bring about middle Middle East peace? Because, um, because what? So Netanyahu's going to take uh, notice of that, or Hamas is going to go? Oh my God, those guys are up on the bridge. We should we should stop. Um, yeah, or Israel is going to say, Oh no, they're angry with us at Avenue Road and 401 in Toronto. See, the thing is, if these people could muster this much uh, passion 
for solving problems that are within their purview or helping to solve problems within this city, things would be a lot better. But they're just, I don't see them out there helping get the homeless in from the cold. You know, I don't see them doing anything. To, I don't see them making campaigns to get winter clothes for the homeless. I don't see them doing things that would make a tangible difference to people here where they live. Instead, they put all their energy into doing something that has zero effect uh, on the actual conflict. All it does do is cause conflict and uh, discontent here. And I think there's a lot of yeah. people who are seeing these. It's typically the pro-Palestinian uh, uh, protests that are blocking things. And you see on social media, a lot of people saying, this isn't our, you know, this isn't our business. Let us do our business. Let us go about our business. I think people are, are fed up with it. And I don't think it's breeding any support for the cause. I also think that this is a perfect storm cause for them because they believe that Israel is a settler, colonial, white supremacy state, which is not true. But th um, that brings in the people who are anti-colonial, anti-white supremacy. I mean, okay, I'm not white supremacist, but you know what I mean? People who see it in every corner. Um, so all this stuff that they've been taught. Then there's the people who have been taught about oppressor and oppressed. And they see, they, they project that into this conflict. Then there's people who care about uh, about Palestinians. Okay, they're legitimate. Um, but these others are using this as a perfect storm to fight back against everything they've been told they need to fight back against by whatever left-wing place has has schooled them into thinking this. So that's why I think it 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 goes beyond what normally happens. And that's why we're seeing the book clubs issuing statements. And if the book club doesn't issue a statement, people get mad at the book club for not issuing a statement. And yeah. why? Well, what's the purpose? Um, and I, I have to say that as as a Jew, I am always disappointed, but especially so now, that I belong to several uh, Jewish Facebook groups. And the number of people who go on and on and on about not voting for Trudeau again because he joined Australia and was at the UK in calling for a ceasefire. Right. Um, now, calling for a ceasefire is not anti-Semitic. Um, having compassionate concern for Palestinian lives is not anti-Semitic. In fact, having compassionate concern for victims of war is a dictate of Judaism. Um, and also... What Justin Trudeau said had zero effect on what's going on there. Nothing. He didn't move the needle, won't move the needle. Yet yeah. they are willing to throw away, they're willing to vote based on what the prime minister said about a foreign conflict, which yes, they have an emotional involvement in, but which we have, we have as a country, have no skin in the game. We ha and we have no influence. They would rather vote conservative because of that, then think about, well, what does that bring to government that has the power to do things here? Because, you know, uh, Jews were the first union, you know, very active in the unions and so on. The idea of uh, social programs and, and a community and a social responsibility is built in to Judaism. I think many of my fellow Jews have lost that altogether, but uh, the idea that it is more more pro-Jewish to vote against a prime minister who has no effect on what's going on in the Middle East, um, that, you know, that, that's, that, that is it's more pro-Jewish to vote against him um, than to vote for a government that is promising things which are anathema to Jewish teachings and values. So yeah. I get it. I get aggravated in these Facebook yeah, groups. You know, I put and, forward and, and, my, my statement and they, you know, they attack me. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and I, and I found, I mean, I, you know, I, as a non-Jew, uh, you know, I, I, aside from, you know, my, my overall care for, for, you know, humanitarian causes and, you know, and the general policy of everyone should be nice to each other. Um, I, you know, I don't have any skin in the game at all. 
um you know over and above just being a world citizen which you know not to downplay it's important to be to care about these things but one of the things i've noticed about the about the camps um uh, you know the the you know the the pro israel and the the pro palestinian camps is you you have to be firmly in the camp. You cannot, you, you have to yes. not just agree with them, but you have to agree with every single item on their list, you know, and anything on that list that, you know, that you deviate from, you know, you know, makes you the subject to 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 criticism so you know it's it's not just okay you know well you know it, you know it's a just war uh, but you know but you know there still should be a peace a ceasefire because you know it's gone it's it's gone too far or gone on long enough or, or or for whatever reason it's like no 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 you know you can't you can't be pro ceasefire if you know because if yeah, you're I not pro cease I don't if you're pro ceasefire then you're anti-israel it's like well yeah, no I don't, like you said no we, we can be supportive of of the principles involved um you know and, and on the left exactly the same sort of thing you have to be you know pro-palestinian pro but you know the paradox there of course for the left is that uh, that hamas is you know their their policies are not exactly progressive when it comes to some of the darling left-wing causes uh you know whether it's your pronouns or women's rights or trans rights or uh, or gay, gay rights. rights or whatever it's like you know hamas does not have a great record when it comes to all these other protests that you've gone to without a, a an ounce of irony um you know there's there's you know it's now gone around <laughs> around the world you know someone who's who is berating uh you know anti-israel protesters or pro-palestinian protesters by uh, by saying you know you guys would all be in jail if you were in gaza because you know you're you're exactly the kind of people they hate mm -hmm. um you know for all kinds of social reasons it's like there's again like i said the world's a complicated place and it's you know there there's there there's no nuance there's no middle ground and it's you know it's been very polarizing and you know and to a certain extent you know although we're world citizens one of the things that that i you know is, is part of a canada that is, is is rapidly disappearing is that people came to canada from all over the world and by and large they left their problems from their homelands behind them you know, Toronto is a great example. I mean, the number of ethnic groups we have here and, you know, people who would would have killed each other back home because of border disputes or historic wrongs or religion or or you stole my sheep or, or whatever reason, uh, they come to Canada and it's like, you know, new start. You know, we'll all just get along, live and let live. We'll, uh, you know, we'll 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 have restaurants in, in the in the food court next to each other. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, a fresh start. Uh, we're not going to bring those historic grievances to Canada with us. And we're starting to see, you know, and I don't know if this is the decline of civics or the, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, people on the right would say, oh, it's 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 too many immigrants. You know, what they're saying under the breath is it's immigrants from the wrong country. But, it, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, well, they're, you know, the Canadian identity, which includes that tolerance and letting bygones be bygones while maintaining your own ethnicity, but leaving the hatred behind, you know, that's disappearing. And, you know, I'm, that's one of the reasons that someone, one of my favorite things, someone on Twitter called me a, um, a Bobby Jimby nationalist, um, you know, basically, you know, the, the guy who wrote the theme music to Expo 67 when it was all optimistic and, and, and sunshine, mm -hmm. um, that's that, that I'm, I'm particularly naive when it comes to you know, people being able to get along with each other. Uh, but, you know, I, I think as a national myth, it's an important one. And we're we're straying farther and farther from it because people are feeling and bringing those grievances to the streets of Canada, where, like you said, you know, they're they're not Canadian problems. We've got our own problems to worry about. Um, we, you know, that you know what, like you said, homelessness or or you know the housing housing issues or mental health. I mean, or the healthcare crisis. We got a lot of our own domestic problems without, you know, you know, importing problems from other countries that we really, you know, have no influence over. Yeah, it that's absolutely true. See, I I dislike pro-Israel, pro-Palestine as names because as you said, it creates this lockstep binary. I how about being pro-solution? You know, how about that? How about wanting there to be a peaceful, just solution, which requires, and this is not going on right now between the two groups, it requires each group to recognize 
that the other group has some good points. You don't reject all of it. Both groups, both pro-Israel and pro-Palestine groups, have good points. They, you know, they both have things that are worthy of discussion, both sides. And the idea that you must be 100% one or the other, there's, sorry, if you actually care about people in the Middle East, this is not the way to go forward. This is not going to bring any kind of peace. And, you know, also turning Zionist into a de facto, it's like calling somebody a Nazi now. A Zionist, which is somebody who I am uh, or I identify as, a Zionist is somebody who believes in the Jews having a safe homeland in their ancestral lands, part of their ancestral homeland. That's it. It, it, it has nothing to do, there is no superiority involved, there is no justification for killing anybody involved. It is a philosophy that after centuries of being persecuted and slaughtered and exiled and uh, culminating in, in the Holocaust where Jews tried to get out of the various countries and were refused and were sent back to die in the death camps, that it, it, the Jews need a place where they can go when it is turning intolerable the anti-Semitism is turning intolerable in the country they live in. This is, this is, that's Zionism. This idea that Zionism supports any particular uh, political, any particular government's actions, of, you know, government of Israel's actions is just not true. It's the same way people cloak themselves in all kinds of things. People cloak themselves in uh, being Christian and then do things that are completely contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Uh, people cloak themselves in, in many things to try to sanctify horrible things they're doing. And yeah, there are some people who are doing horrible things uh, in Israel and leadership uh, who will call themselves Zionists. Uh, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is actually Zionism. What's going on in Israel? And this is, I object to the term genocide for the reason that um, mass casualties in war is not de facto genocide. Uh, people in Gaza aren't being killed because they're Palestinian. It's because their government launched a war on another country, and that country is responding. This is a political military conflict. This is not one that is focused on wiping out a people. Now, is it killing tens of thousands? Absolutely. And I make no bones about the fact that I think Netanyahu played this completely wrong. It is a historical error for the Jewish people, what he has done, a historical error for Israel. I don't know how long it will take to recover from this. Um, he, there, was, there were other steps he could have taken, which would have been great. You know, he, he could have, I don't know if we talked about it on this show, I think after the attacks, repel the people, get them out, get the terrorists out of the country, mourn your dead, take some time, have a mourning period for your dead. The world was uh, unified, except for Iran, in seeing Hamas as a vile organization. You, countries could have been persuaded to freeze their assets. Uh, lots of things could have been done that where before moral suasion wouldn't work. Now it would work. And it also showed the world that this is what Israel has been afraid of all this time and why yeah. they have security. They could have, they, they could have made those deaths work, mean something in a, in a yeah. way that benefited Israel. Um, but instead, he went in with tanks and mortars and bombs and, and aerial attacks and just turned the whole world against Israel. And yeah. what? And, and let's face it, he's keeping this war going because as soon as the war is over, his political career is over. And I don't think he cares about anyone but himself. So, oh, not just his political. He may be going to jail for all kinds of all, yeah, so, all of the problems that he had before the war started. Yeah, he's just he's just pushing, trying to kick the can down the road, and he's killing people as a result of it. The idea that people who want a ceasefire, they're not looking at the 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 bits and pieces of what that means. They're not looking at it saying, well, that's going to allow Hamas to integrate into the existing population. It's going to allow them to move their bases. It's going to allow them to move their artillery so the places Israel doesn't know where it is. They're not, they're not saying they support that. They're not even thinking about that. It doesn't even enter their consciousness. What they're thinking is stop the, the civilians dying. 
That is their motivation. Their motivation is not let's destroy Israel. Their motivation is not let's support Hamas. Their motivation is there are lots of civilians dying. Let's stop that. So this idea that saying uh, you support a ceasefire is anti-Semitic and anti-Israel is just stupid and it's propagandistic. And I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. But they say, yeah, you know, they they after after you know the horrific events of october 7th uh, you know Austria, uh, the, the 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 government of, of of israel really lost the moral high ground because of the way that they conducted this war and you know and hamas is still firing rockets uh, but you know they now estimates over 90% of gaza is is gone um and you know being basically a pen full of people you know everyone is crowded down there's no water there's no power i mean it, it, the suffering is available for the entire world to see and there's a point where they go like ah you know enough's enough I and mean, the number of journalists who've been killed you know over 100 un workers have been killed you know the the moral high ground that like you said that israel had at the beginning has been squandered and you see it in resolutions now at the un which would never have taken a shot at israel earlier um you know you know israel has always been kind of the third rail of international politics you know you, you don't go after israel and now i have to stop you there the number of declarations and condemnations from the un against israel over the years um they uh far outweigh those against other countries um you know was it last year where there was more statements against israel by the un than there were against north korea or iran it's uh, Israel has been uh, pinata for the United Nations for for decades now. Um, oh, they certainly there are certainly some countries that are not fans of Israel, and I'm not talking about Iran. Uh, you know, there there are, there are other countries that are 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 not Indonesia. not happy about. Yeah, and you know, a lot of them are Muslim countries um, who you know has, have historic religious uh, complaints about Israel, and and, and uh, but mm -hmm. uh, it's you know the some of the, you know some of the big countries. You're seeing the United States wavering in its support of Israel. Um, you know, you know, contradicting you know when Netanyahu says no, you know, we'll never have a two two state solution. The United States is going like, really? Are you are you sure that's what you mean? Because there's 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 no there's no coming back from that if you're not going to believe in a two-state solution then what's the alternative he, um, every time he opens his mouth i cringe every time yeah, he opens yeah. his mouth i cringe you know, well and then yeah you know famously uh you know said you know you know we will not be happy until israel controls from the river to the sea it's like oh don't say that don't yeah. that 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 yeah. has been condemned for month for for a month now as as an evil evil racist phrase. Why would you adopt that um, as as you know? And, and like you say, he's fighting for his life. He's stirring up the you know the militant and uh, um, right wing aspects of 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 Israel, and you know he's 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 desperate at this point. Um, but it's you know, Israel has squandered so much of its goodwill. Over the last little while, and you know, within the Arab nations as well, you know, what little goodwill was starting to be built there, you know, they, you know, it, it wasn't so much goodwill; it's just accepting as a fact that Israel exists and and and, and mm -hmm. will exist. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of that work's been undone. I say, and we said in the very, you know, within two weeks of of the war starting, and our podcast, we said, you know, Israel's fallen into this trap. You know, Hamas was never going to win this war. I mean, there's no way that they could against you know one of the most you know proficient and well armed armies in in uh, in the region. You know, Hamas. You know, with their with their do it yourself rockets fired from the basin, they they're going to destroy Israel. You know, never. But what was, you know, what's their end game? And their end game was to give Israel a black eye by provoking, you know, a um, an extreme response to, you know, to the horrible events of October 7. And, yeah, yeah. you know, the and, Hamas you know, leadership has got to be laughing. And, well, I mean, they, they've done, every, Israel's done everything. The ones that are still alive, yeah. Yeah, Israel has done everything that uh, Hamas hoped they would do. Yeah. And the thing, though, is the thing that, the flip side is that, Wars end when one side determines that they've gone beyond acceptable. They've de they've suffered more than acceptable losses, yeah. and they determine we're you know this is going to go on. We can't turn the tide of this war. The number of people dead, the amount of infrastructure destroyed. We can't continue to allow this to happen, and so they sue for peace. 
clearly Hamas does not we'll never feel do that. that the number of deaths of their people um, goes beyond acceptable losses for them, or they would be they'd be singing a different tune. And... No, and and you know, I I use the suicide vest. I mean, they they believe in martyrdom. Um, you know, they're always happy when someone else is doing the being the martyr. Yeah. Uh, not 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 the leadership. And you know, all I can think about is 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 Hitler in the bunker. He didn't care how many Germans died, uh, even though the war was lost and all the rest. It you know, and Hamas is the same way. They just don't care how many of their people die. Um, so they keep you know, they're not interested particularly themselves in a ceasefire. Um, they want to keep firing rockets, but uh, it's it's. You know how how do you win against someone who doesn't care how many people they uh, of, of their own people they kill? Yeah, and 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 you have to be the person who's smart enough to go. You know what? I'm not playing this game. Um, you know, I will defend. I will take out military targets. I whatever. But I am not going to, you know, be the bad guy in this scenario by overreacting, and and absolutely destroying an entire, uh, you know, an entire uh, uh, um, region region yeah. like like yeah. Gaza. Yeah, it's uh and and you know for the next 20 or 30 years cuz you know no one's ever going to rebuild that. Yeah, the the cost to rebuild it I I don't see it being rebuilt. It's this is like I said this is a historical mistake that will haunt uh Jews around the world and Israel for generations. I mean no other time during the uh the 1948 war or the 67 war, or the 73 war, or the intifadas. I don't remember any Jews in Toronto feeling like they needed to take the mezuzahs off their door. They'd indicate that it's a Jewish home. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. So mm -hmm. not only has Netanyahu not made Israel more safe with this, he's made it less safe for Jews around the world. And what has he accomplished? Nothing, nothing of his goals. Hamas is still intact. It's got its reputation burnished. It's being supported by people who wouldn't have supported it before because of the binary uh, of support. Um, the leadership is still largely intact. And let's face it, you kill one, the next one pops up. It, you know, it, it, it's not like you're killing pivotal figures like Abraham Lincoln. Um, these, these people just, they just replace them. It's whack-a-mole. So he's not, he, he has not destroyed Hamas. Um, he has, uh, he has, I guess, restored the deterrent, which is what he wanted to do. But he's done that by orders of magnitude beyond what was needed. Uh, he's achieved none of his goals. And tens of thousands of people are dead. And Jews are hiding their mezuzahs. Good job. You know, good, good job. And to, you know, to fellow Jews who are listening to this, stop falling into lockstep and listening to the idea that if you question what Netanyahu's doing, if you question how he's prosecuted this war, that makes you pro-Palestinian or anti-Semitic or a self-hating Jew, that is bullshit. That is not true. Um, there are lots of people in Israel right now and a growing number who oppose what Netanyahu's doing. Are they anti-Semitic? Are they self-hating Jews? Are they anti-Israel? No. So neither are you. Compassion is, is a tenet, central tenet of Judaism. And if you can't bring yourself to be concerned about the, the number of civilians that are dying, uh, I, I don't know how, I don't know what it is about Judaism you identify with. Yeah. So, and that's that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there, it's, it's just a question now, how much longer can this war physically go on because you know there's not much less of left of gaza no there's and, not what are you gonna re, gonna bomb the uh the the ruins like what's yeah. left to do there's, yeah they've okay they've proven that the, to my satisfaction they've proven that there's a network of tunnels that, that's they've used ground penetrating radar they know that they're there yeah. this is not a secret um but uh, you know have they dealt uh a blow against Hamas on one level militarily yes but um Politically, no, they've helped them. So this has just been a disaster end to end. And I just, uh, I mourn for the Palestinians. Um, I mourn for the Israelis that were killed October 7th. I mourn for Israel and Jews worldwide because of what Netanyahu has done 
uh, as a, using October 7th as a pretense to distract also from the fact that October 7th wouldn't have happened if his government had done what it was supposed to do and what it was elected to do, which is have proper security to prevent that kind of thing from happening. So I'm going to stop now. I'm yes, stop and now. and and again, you know, just just to put a bow on it. I mean, I you know, I I the the the, the recent rise of anti-Semitism here in Canada as a result of of the of the conflict in Gaza is again Canadians importing you know ideas and in, in imputing you know the, the the Jewish community here in Toronto with the same motives of the Netanyahu government and identifying with Israel when these people are Canadians uh you know who who I'm I'm sure are sympathetic to Israel as a state as a homeland because of the historic background but you know to to be to be you know firebombing uh you know, restaurants or to be picketing, you know, doctor's offices or, or, you know, like you say, you know, homes and harassing people in Jewish neighborhoods. It's like, you know, there's enough problems in this world that, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't be walking around blaming for your fellow Canadians for things that are going on halfway around the world. It's not like they're uh, arming themselves and, and, and heading off and, uh, and, uh, you know, shooting people in Gaza. They are, you know, they're, they're Canadians trying to get on with their lives here. And it's wrong to be, uh, to be going after any ethnic group here in Canada for problems overseas. Okay. Let's bring this to a close then. Uh, very, uh, very dense, lots of things, but then we've been away for a few weeks. So people, then again, we're dense people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Uh, he is, he is Stephen Lawton's and he's sometimes on Twitter at Stephen Lawton's, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. I'm Stephen Kersner. And thank you, Stephen. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, and happy uh, happy Robbie Burns uh, week, too. Oh, thank you very Speaking much. Speaking about bringing, thinking about, talking about bringing over traditions from other countries. That's a good one because it involves, uh, you know, a lot of whiskey. Yeah, yes, indeed. And, um, and haggis, if you like that sort of thing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, well, it's I'm, mar I'm married to a Scottish from, lass, so it's not that different from a Jewish dish called kishka. Yes, um, it all tastes yeah. like stovetop stuffing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, That's what the whiskey's for to wash it down. <laughs> <laughs> As Stephen said, um, we're dense people. Okay, uh, <laughs> this has been Small L Liberals. Thank you for listening. Hey!